0: seriously, did we go back in time? Are we making a secret new Back to the Future movie? And nobody told me that I was starring in it. Because while I was at the Raw after WrestleMania and I thought it was fine, a few weeks later, WWE goes, oh man, maybe we should do all the tricks that we usually do after WrestleMania. And we'll just do it on a random show in April. And we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Because hello, my name is Simon from What Culture. Do a Little Dance. And you have tuned in to Ups and Downs. Right here, right now, we are going to take the temporary Fist of Power and concentrate on Montag Night Raw. But was it any good or did it absolutely suck? Let's find out when we up those downs. We were celebrating 20 years of Randy Orton in the WWE to kick things off, and this was really nice. We had a bunch of wrestlers around ringside, Seth Rollins was kind of off to the corner by Alan the announce table in the greenest suit you've ever seen in your life, and Riddle naturally was on MC Dewey's. We then had this excellent video going through everything the Viper has done over the past two decades, and seriously, he's had a wonderful career when Randy came out, everybody gave him a massive reaction, and <laughs> he said, well, we've had lots of ups and downs. I was like, Thanks all and I appreciate it. The best part though is that you can just tell right now he has so much passion for professional wrestling and as he said, he's having more fun than ever. And as we've talked about before, that energy comes out of the television screen, it smacks you right in the face and all of a sudden you're having a good time too. He also mentioned the likes of The Undertaker, Triple H and Mick Foley as opponents he's faced along the way and he really put over Foley here, which I thought was very nice. And then he told Riddle that he loved him, that they embraced and I swear we shouldn't do it for long ass time but when these two do break up <laughs> my heart is going to break into a thousand meters. riddle also said that he had a surprise for randy orton because it was someone that really wanted to pay their respects and it was cody rhodes now maybe i'm massively nerding out here but when those two hunt, I swear Riddle looked a little bit jealous. And once again, if it's Riddle that screws over Randy Orton, I'm going to break down. This is when Rollins just hopped in to remind us that we shouldn't listen to Cody Rhodes because he's only out for himself. And this is when WWE went nuts. Because I'm nowhere, Ezekiel interrupted. So bring it down. That is 68 interruptions in WWE and 102 overall. And I was dying here. because He was all like, oh man, as a new member of the roster, I just wanted to introduce yourself. But this is when Kevin Owens came storming through the crowd, having a meltdown going, no, no, no. This man is a liar. However, it also counts. Bring it down. That is 69 interruptions in WWE and 103 overall. And don't make your little comments about 69. Grow up. This new Kevin Owens, well, is just so entertaining because he can't handle anything. And just as he was talking, out came the Usos to interrupt. So that is 17 WWE and 104 overall. And all this happened in the space around about 7.2 seconds. Once again, Jimmy and Jay had the line where it was something like, Man, you all gotta get in line. The bloodline. I'm like, Look, you two dudes are really cool. You're far cooler than me but not when it comes to that. That's ridiculous. However, they did have a better barb because they were like, well, I'll tell you what my favorite Randy Orton moment was or is or will be when we beat them to unify the tag team titles at Backlash. Well, that was pretty good. Because this was just a massive mess and everybody tried to fight everybody else. Is when Adam Pearce walked out and went, ah, I forgot to book the main event of Raw, so I've got a great idea. Why don't we do an eight man tag? And I will tell you this, all of it, was so entertaining. Like I had a good time. It was like a roller coaster ride, and I'm giving it up. We then just saw Kane talking to Bianca Belair in the back, and that was never followed up on or explained. Because why would it be? However, it was very timely because it was time for the Raw Women's Champion take on Sonia Deville. Now, I just thought this was going to be a straight up match, but somebody instead decided, no, we need to make this silly and we need to make this as silly as possible because within 60 seconds, Sonia Deville had been counted out after Bianca had thrown her over Alan the announce table. However, because she is kind of still the GM, she was like, nah, that ain't happening. I slipped on some water, so we're going to restart this match and it's no count out. They then started to fight again when Belair's hair was kind of being used, so Sonia just went and got a chair and walloped her. So, of course, the referee disqualified her. But then Sonya Deville got back on the microphone and she was like, nah, 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 that ain't happening. We're going to restart this as an ODQ and a no countout. We then had all these stipulations when Bianca Belair just won. But the really strange part is that Sonya called out Carmella and Zelina Vega who were meant to help her. And I was like, no, no ain't taking that one. We saw them break up a few weeks ago. Why the flub would they all of a sudden be back together? Thankfully it didn't result in anything that was going to make you want to smash your brains out because like I say Bianca hit the KOD. She got the 1-2-3. So when we got to the end of this, as ludicrous as it was, Bianca Belair had basically beat the hell out of three somewhat prominent professional wrestlers. Kinda, kinda not. But I am going to give it an up because as long as she keeps winning, I'm a happy pup. We then did remember that Vega and Carmelo were meant be at odds with each other because we went to the back and Sunderville was like, you suck and you suck. And now you're never gonna get a tag team title match again. And these two thought about beating Sonya up, I suppose, but she slapped both of them. Because of course she is the general manager of Raw and SmackDown and of life in general. So you can't do squib. And then we got to Edge. I still don't get it. It's really weird too, because I do like him and I think the presentation works and Damien Priest by his side is a nice visual. But then he starts talking and I have no idea what he's saying. Like he may as well have gone, oh man, potatoes are the king. And that would have made as much sense to me. They're also now focusing on AJ Styles and Finn Balor. Because according to the rated R superstar, Damian Priest has unfinished business with him. I was like, does he? I don't think he does. And if we do add Rhea Ripley and Tommaso Ciampa to this group, I still think it will get better and better. But like again, Edge was sat here in his giant seat because he loves that giant seat. And he says stuff like, "Oh my gosh, your judgment is coming, and I'm gonna judge you with my long beard." Then he goes, "Oh yeah, your baseball team sucks." She's like, Oh "My gosh, what is going on?" So I'm happy to wait and see. I do think it will find its feet eventually. For the time being, it's got to get it down. There was then here though, and you know the deal. He walked to the ring because he's finally remembered he has to turn up for Raw. And this week he fought someone called Sam Smothers. Even I was a bit like, "Am I related?" to Sam Smothers, but I hope not, because he got murked. I mean, he just won with the cervical clutch, as always, and then he just bounced the crap out of him on Alan, the announce table. But well, I'm all good with this. If we had chosen Veer to be our monster on Raw, let us keep it going, and let us go all the way with it, to the point we go, oh man, he could challenge for the WWE title. And you'll laugh at that, but if that isn't the end goal, what the hell is the point? Don't know why I'm doing conductor hands up. Sarah Scheiber then found Bobby Lashley, who was kind of warming up like he was going to have a fight, even though he was just meant to be taking on Omos in an arm wrestling contest. But Bobby came across here like the smartest babyface we have seen in WWE in years, because he was like, yeah, that's what they said it was going to be, but you know MVP's past record, he's probably going to try and jump me, and I'm going to be ready. And then, yeah, Omos and Lashley were doing an arm wrestling contest, and Vup said some things beforehand. And when we were doing the competition, somehow Lashley used the fact he was losing to increase his MP points and probably launch some kind of special attack because he did eventually get the victory. And when he did, Omos beat him up. MVP beat him up. And they took the platform that they were arm wrestling on and they threw it on his body. This is all fine though and probably would do crazy numbers on YouTube because that audience loves this stuff. And it still kind of feels like Bobby is going to get through Omos where he will take on MVP. Much like Batista, this is what I want up. It was then time for the 24-7 title stuff. I want to stand here and say, oh my gosh, it was off the rails and it was bonkers. But it was one of those weeks where they don't go crazy enough. It started with R-Truth, Dana Brooke, Reggie, Tamina, there's nobody, Mina and Tozawa in the back. And Truth was all like, look, I'm going to give you some counselling, which for some reason resulted in a mixed tag. this only went 90 seconds because of course it did when Tozawa got the win after he hit a senton. And then afterwards, everybody was trying to bring Dana Brooke because she's the 24 champion, including Truth, even though he was a special guest referee. But Dana got out of the way and was just screaming, I trusted you, Truth. I trusted you. And I was like, Dana, why the hell would you trust everyone? Look what's been going on for the past year. But the problem here, as we have talked about, is I need these bits to be absolutely insane to the point I think that some drugs have just accidentally walked into my mouth. This was just far too pedestrian. You can't just sit there waiting for the madness and when it never comes, you're disappointed. Seriously, WWE, come up with the most surreal stuff ever and put it in this, otherwise i got to give you it. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health I really liked what was next though, because the empress of tomorrow back. It started with Becky Lynch returning to and honestly, she is so sad because she did lose the Raw Women's Championship to the point that if you had told me this was a brand new character known as Depressed Debbie, I probably would have believed you. She cut this sad promo, and she looked a little bit like a robot. However, she then had an epiphany and realized, well, if I have hit rock bottom, the only way to go is upwards. so I'm going to do this, and I'm going to take on Bianca Belair, and I'm going to win back my title. Just as she was doing this, though, Oscar's music did start to play and she returned to Monday Night Raw and seriously, my word, how I have missed her. She was just dancing and she's just saying a bunch of stuff that was funny. She is so damn entertaining and she doesn't really do anything. It also counts in interruptions. That's 71 in WWE and 105 overall, but I do not give a flub because like I say, she just wound Becky Lynch up. Becky went to punch her, but Oscar ducked. So Oscar went to punch her, but Becky got out of the way. This means we're going to do this feud. And honestly, what were you in? April 2002. You could book this to Due to April 2023 and I'd still be like why don't we go another month Street Profits then told us that they will be the first challengers whoever does win between Arcade Bro and the Usos at Backlash and please let them keep this new attitude because they're so much better with it. When Damien Priest was out And once again, I get my confused face. Now at least we got to finish this week because in the last Damien Priest match, the lights just went out and that was that. But once again, something doesn't click because their entrance on paper sounds really cool. Edge and Damien Priest come out in Edge's giant chair. I'm sorry, it's not a throne. The announcers keep calling it a throne. It is a seat and it's obviously on rails. So they slowly move forward. Now this is meant to be badass. I was sitting there on my sofa going, because for some reason it's funny. I also think this group is called Judgment Day because WW mentioned that around about 92,876 times. And of course this was good. Damien Priest, excellent. Finn Balor, excellent. But when it came to the finish, our carman made this face. Because essentially, Balor was about to hit the Coupe de Gras when Edge stood up. And Ballard was like, oh my gosh, he sits in that seat all the time. Why has he stood up? He looked over at him. Damien Priest gave him the chokeslam. Damien Priest gave him the flatliner. And he just beat him. And the other issue with this is that WWE is trying to retroactively fit in storylines, which on one hand, I'm like, well, okay, that kind of makes sense. But on the other, I'm like, no. Because throughout all this, they were like, oh man, Finn, he's having a bad time at the moment. He's mentally not there. It's like, no one has ever told me this. This has never been brought up once. And just to make it one final face palm, When Finn Balor came out, and you get the highlights things to the side of the screen, it says, has a demon persona. So we may as well take that character and flush it down the toilet. This is what I don't get, because none of this was bad, but something about it isn't coming together. So I am gonna give it a down, but I bet you this, in a few weeks, I bet they do turn the corner and I'll just look like a bull day. And also I do want to point out I don't want this to stop. Raw is a three hour show. Not every single thing on it can be directly for me. just personal case. Ms. TV was then on TV. Damn it. His guest was Theory, who has had a lot of chat this week because the rumor mill has told us that Vince McMahon sees a young John Cena in Theory. Not literally, that would be weird. And he's going to push him to the moon. And seriously, good. Whether you like Theory or not, we should be doing this with loads of the roster. So if we're going to start here, I shall support it. They basically took selfies together and acted like a couple of idiots with Theory telling us now that he is the United States champion, he's going to make it more important than it ever has been. Maybe you will. Given that this was the roar after WrestleMania, though, the person that interrupted, so 72 in WWE, and 106 overall, was none other than the returning Mustafa Ali. Now, this filled my heart with joy because I love Mustafa Ali, and obviously, he hasn't been on television for ages because he fell out with Vince McMahon and the company and he asked to leave. They said no, so hopefully, they have Kiss and Made Up. Because any single wrestling promotion on the planet is better with Mustafa Ali. Naturally, Miz and Theory started firing the jokes at him saying, oh, we didn't even know you worked here anymore. We're going to get you fired even though that's what you want. Don't worry about it. But Ali had a retort to this. He was like, ha ha, that's some funny stuff. But if I wanted to laugh, Miz, I would just watch you wrestle. Pow, out I was hired. He also wanted a US title shot tonight, and usually that does work in WWE because you walk to the ring, just go yeast title shot, and you get one. But Theory said, Well, no, you're not going to, but why don't you take on The Miz? Yeah, lister being the coward that he always is, he's like, No, I don't want to do that, and I can't wave a magic wand to make it happy. But this is where Theory got his phone out and I was like, Actually, I texted Vince McMahon, and he thinks this is a good idea that was kind of cute. Miz looked like he'd just been robbed because he felt so betrayed and this did lead to the Miz versus Ali. (laughs) Ali won! That was fine by me up. It didn't go long. And to be honest with you, I was just so pleased to see the man back. However, I do have to take umbrage with the fact that Mustafa Ali won with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the backwards. Because again, as I said on Smackdown ups and downs, if we are making this Xavier Woods' thing, let's stop everybody else from doing it. I couldn't help but enjoy myself though, because we had some aftermath as well. Because when Mustafa was trying to leave, He got jumped by none other than Champa, and that's right, his first name has been taken and killed, so don't mention that again. And if we get some kind of mini feud between those two, my word, I will be in happy town. I mean, who is getting mad at that? I mean, there'll be one guy on the internet, but screw that guy, I'm tired of his ranting. Then Rhea Ripley actually had a good reason for why she went heel lally. Because as she said, when she first came to Raw, she was a champion, but ever since she got put into the tag team scene and had to tag with all these morons, she has just lost and lost and lost and lost. I thought, boy, it's true. She didn't blame the fans either, thank goodness, because I'm so sick and tired of being blamed for anything. And obviously, this is when Liv Morgan ran in and she tried to beat Rhea Ripley up, but the officials stopped her. So we can do this match at Backlash and then let Rhea Ripley run through the division, put her as the first proper contender against Bianca Belair. That will make me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. And I was so pleased to get an explanation that actually made sense. I am giving it up. Chad Gable and Kevin Owens have been arguing about the fact that Kevin hadn't paid Chad for last week when he did the lie detector test. And we need more segments with these guys because they're so funny. And as it was heated, Seth Rollins and The Usos turned up because obviously they were worried about their big main event. Jimmy and Jay especially wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page and even said, because if you're not, The tribal chief will be mad and he's going to kill you. Seth Rollins thought this was hilarious. Seriously, Seth, he probably will. Rollins then also tried to be all happy, happy with Kevin Owens, but he hasn't forgotten what Seth did to him last week when he called him a fat ass. And obviously, this is why Raw is pretty good at the moment because they're remembering things that have happened in the past and they're tying them into the future. MVP then told us that Omos would face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania Backlash, which is okay. And then we were meant to have our main event, but you know what WWE loves to do these days. It was just recap, entrance, recap, entrance. It took so long and we got to stop doing it. And before the match even started, we had this giant brawl. My word, it was pulled out. However, this did mean that it was the Usos, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins taking on RK bro, Cody Rhodes and Ezekiel. And in no universe, seriously, you could visit every single one Would this not be awesome some reason, Zeke now dresses like the ultimate warrior, but hey-ho, up. Orn and Cody were helping each other for a little bit too. And my word, when we get to that feud, it's going to be absolute fire. And Seth Rollins was being Seth Rollins as always. He would only get in the ring when Cody was down because he wanted to punch him in the face. Riddle soon tagged in and was on fire until Jimmy jumped in from behind. And that led to Riddle and Seth going to the top rope. And Rollins hit this inverted reverse superplex thing honestly. It could have been the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Riddle then retorted with a floating bro and lost his mind and he would have got a tag if it wasn't for those meddling kids because in short, the heels jumped all the good guys and Riddle was left all alone. Randy still found a way to tag in and man, this guy's hot tag. Like he doesn't do much of anything but as mentioned earlier, he has so much energy and he has so much joy. It is just a pleasure to watch. I tell you a real pleasure. He also started smashing everybody into Alan the announce table which has come a signature move but it was the finish here that would just make you love professional wrestling because of course we were celebrating 20 years of Orton so he just hit everybody with RKO's, including hitting Jay Uso with a flying one when he went to do a splash he got the one two three the crowd went crazy this really was a superb ending to Raw because it was just simple good times. Which of course brought us to the end of Raw, and while certain things weren't to my taste palette, I tell you, Raw is in a good place right now, and as we are bringing back the likes of Oscar and Mustafa Ali, the momentum just keeps going and going, to the point, I know you're not going to believe it, I look forward to the show. I mean, it could always be less than three hours, and that would be fine, but I'm giving it up. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?